Father, uh, let this uh, meditation of your word today draw us closer to you. Just let it whet our appetites for wanting to experience you, communion with you, fellowship with you in greater ways and a greater depth, greater degrees. May it be true to your word, and if it goes astray in any way, give these people here today discernment to weigh everything by your word and your indwelling spirit and grace to hold on to what is good. We pray in the name of the living Jesus. Amen. I want to follow up today on something someone said to me after last week's sermon, the last of our You Asked For It sermons for the summer, although I do have a few leftovers that will probably show up as Sunday school classes, maybe not sermons, but I had promised to answer every one, and I'm still planning on that. Uh, last week, as you, as you may recall, I was asked to weigh in on a particular uh, heaven tourism book, a particular book of that genre. And one of the things that made my theological radar kind of beep, you know, just kind of a little something that didn't strike me quite right is when the author said that he realized that the only way that he could experience after he had this, uh, this vision of Christ or experience of Christ uh, in, his, in his near death or whatever it was, his near death or dead and then alive again or mostly dead or whatever it was, he had this experience and he, he said that he, he realized that the only, later, he realized that the only way he could ever experience that kind of closeness to Christ again was to experience it in his interactions with other people who exhibited some of those same Christ-like traits of, of love and acceptance and and, and so forth, and and this and this, this was one of the things that didn't really ring true uh, to me. It, it didn't ring true to what the Bible shows, what the Bible teaches about relationship with Christ, or what the Bible shows about relationship with Christ in the lives of uh, other people. And and it and it really didn't ex- ring true to experience either. And I said in just in almost in passing last week that I that the closest I have felt to Christ over the course of years was, was often, in, uh, m- most often really, in complete privacy. It had, had nothing to do with other people. Uh, that, uh, n- now, thinking about that later on, I, I have to say there are certainly times with other believers, you know, with, in worship sometimes, in prayer sometimes, and also in times of fellowship that really aren't engaged in worship and prayer at the time, that there are times when that where that really has very much to do with other people and fellow believers in Christ where the air seems thick with the presence of the Lord. <laughs> there are those times. I don't want to sell that short, but, but more often, for me, more often... Uh, then those times are those times when it's only me and the Lord. And there isn't anyone else around at all. So, so I found that, that that a felt sense of the Lord's presence um, does not have to be mediated through other people. 
at all. Jesus Christ is a living person, and because he's God, he's a, he's a living person, but he's also God. And as God, he's om, omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent. And because that's true, real, real, one-on-one relationship with him is not only possible uh, for believers, but it, but it really is a uh, uh, crucial to Christian life and Christian practice. And one of the several people who spoke to me about the sermon last week was obviously interested and invested in this idea of how uh, the nearness and closeness in relationship with Christ is to be obtained, is to be experienced. And, and I want to follow up on that because there are some things to say on that subject that really every believer should know and every believer can uh, benefit from. So I, I, I want to I make just three broad, pretty broad points today. The first is this. If you are in Christ, you have an appetite for communion with God that will never fully be satisfied in this life. Now, I actually mean that as, as an encouragement to you. <laughs> I... I can see where it might not sound like so much of an encouragement, you know, just when you hear it. But, but I really mean uh, it as an encouragement, and I'll explain how. But if you are in Christ, you have an appetite, a longing, a yearning for a level of communion with God that will never be fully satisfied in this life. I, I believe that with all my heart, but you know, how is that an encouragement? Well, here's how it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement because you may have, I say, if you're in Christ, if you have a genuine faith in Christ, a genuine relationship with God through Christ, you, you have a longing for experiencing a nearness with Christ, a, a longer for a deeper communion with Christ, a, a yearning to to hear his voice more clearly and more, you know, more often and more clearly and, and uh, to have those kinds of uh, worship times with other believers and even by yourself, you know, to have that more. And whatever nearness to God you do experience, uh, you know, the, the frequency of it and the depth of it, it always leaves you with a yearning for more. And because you really fu- can't fully get there you think that there must be something wrong with you or you're doing it wrong you're there's something you're you're not getting something right and especially if you compare yourselves to those someone in your life who may talk like they have something you don't you know like you think you talk to them and they're like Moses you know they talk with God face to face and they they say well then I said to God and then they fill in the blank and it's a big long thing and then I said to him and then he said to me and I and you're thinking to yourself you're nodding your head but you're thinking man I'm not getting any of that that's not how it is with me what I'm a, I'm doing something wrong 
And, and of course, you, you know, you can find some teachers and they say, you are doing something wrong. Or maybe even worse than that, not, not I'm just doing something wrong, but there's something wrong with me. Would you say, so here's, here's my reasoning. Would you say that the Apostle Paul would you say that he had a close and intimate walk with the Lord? Would you say that? That, that he knew relationship with Christ on a relatively high level? I would think so. G- given the extraordinary experiences of the Lord from day one of his Christian life, I may not know your testimony, I know most of you, but, but I'll bet it wasn't, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? A vision of the living Christ when you're on your way to do some mischief. I bet it wasn't as dramatic as that. And, and how, he, how the Apostle Paul was extraordinarily <coughs> used by the Lord. Uh, Extraordinary ways. People healed by, you know, by, by, by things that he had touched. You know, the healings and that, and that sort of thing. Is, uh, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's miraculous, you know, used miraculously by the Lord to fulfill his purposes. His gifts, the gifts that we knew he had. His faith so severely tested and, and comes up strong. Every time, it seems to me. And if the Apostle Paul were here this morning, in the flesh, I would think the thing to do for me would be to sit down and take my place with you and ask the Apostle Paul to say a few things, whatever he wanted to, what, whether he had prepared anything or not. That would be the thing to do. And yet, the Apostle Paul contemplates his own home going and says, Philippians 1, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Far better how? Well, better to be face to face with Christ instead of loving Him, serving Him, talking to Him from afar. Uh, better to be done with that sin that plague, you know, Romans chapter 7, wretched man that I am. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do the things I, you know, who will free me from the body of this death? Better to be freed from the body of this death and be done with sin forever and ever and not have anything that ever hinders relationship with Christ. He, he was a man of flesh and blood just like you and me, but I, but I dare say if fellowship with Christ in heaven would be is better for him is you know extraordinarily close to the lord 
If it's better for him, it's going to be better for you. And it's going to be better for me. C.S. Lewis famously reasoned, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the, satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Well, in this case, you were. You were. You're made for the next one. And you're being born again. You're made for the next world. And if you're in Christ, you long for the communion with Christ that can only be fully satisfied in that world. Not in this one. Now, I'm not going to deny that I would say all of us, each of us, can be closer to the Lord than we are. And I am not denying either that some of us have a, well, I won't say some of us, just say some, some Christians, some believers, have a closer walk with the Lord than do others. I think both those things are true. But I am affirming and, and like proposing to you that every person who is genuinely in Christ has a saving faith in Christ, uh, has been transformed by God's grace, is being sanctified by the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit, has a yearning for communion with Christ that cannot be fully satisfied in this life, and that therefore the presence and even the persistency of that unmet longing, of that unsatisfied, not fully satisfied yearning, is not evidence of something wrong with you. It's evidence of something right with you. Something right in you. It is, why do you have it? Why do you have that longing? It's because God's grace has prompted it in you. If you have it. He's, he's quickened that appetite if you have it. You would not have it apart from God's grace working in you. People who do not have Christ do not long to experience God's presence. In fact, they dread it. They flee from it. John 3, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. So, so rather than be dissat, you know, just say there's something wrong with me or I'm not doing it right or, or there's something wrong with God. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank God that He's given you an appetite for Himself that no experience in this life can fully satisfy. It's a mark of God's salvation of your soul. And and thank God that you have this desire to come to the light that does in fact expose your sin. But you know it also cleanses you of it. And you know He forgives you of it. 
people who have not experienced the grace of God don't do that. They don't have that. So that's first. That's the first thing to say. This, this un, that if you are genuinely in Christ, you, you will have a longing for communion with Christ, for fellowship with Christ, for knowing Christ, for, for being closer to Him. That, that cannot be fully satisfied in this life, in these bodies of sin. Second, it's the other side of the coin. There is another side to this coin. Wanting the feeling of close communion with Christ is not the same thing as pursuing a relationship with Christ. Those two things are not the same. It, it, this is the other side of the coin. It, it, it's good to want a closer relationship with Christ, but it is not good enough if we cannot be bothered to pursue it. Now, I, I saw a message on a t-shirt one time. It said, tragically... All the really good jobs start before I wake up. Some of you laughed, some of you didn't. If you didn't, I hope you get why that's funny. You have to understand why that's funny. A good many years ago now, Cher, you know, Sonny and Cher, well, I'm giving my age away, you know, but... Cher did a, uh, a commercial for National Fitness or one of those outfits like that, you know, I don't know what, Rush or something. She did a, she did a commercial and she, at the end she struck a pose and said, if it came in a bottle, everybody would have a body like this. Well, some bodies do come from a bottle, but uh, they're not the kind anyone's trying for on purpose, you know. But, but you get the idea, you know, you get the, the, the theme of these little illustrations. I can tell myself that I want to be in good physical shape, right? I can tell myself that. I can lament that I'm not. I, but it's, uh, it's another thing to want it to, enough to actually uh, alter my behavior to get that way, to change the way I eat or the, to get exercise and things like that. That's a, it's a different, it's different. Someone said, uh, I tried lifting weights, but they're so heavy. <laughs> they're too heavy. Same thing. You've got to see why that's funny. You're in trouble if you don't understand why that's funny. You know, you can, in other areas, you, know, you can lament that you aren't making a decent living, but it's some, you, know, you say, I want it. Boy, I want it. I want it. But it's, a, it's something else to... To do something about it, you know, maybe to gain the, the skills and the knowledge that would make you hireable, or maybe even just so much as just wanting it enough to leave the house and go try to find a job. You could uh, lament that you don't have any friends, you know, you know, I was so lonely, I wish I had friends, and you tell yourself you really, really want friends, and it's just, 
it's so awful and how you wish you would but you but if you, but you're telling yourself a story if you won't go anywhere or doing things that where friends might actually be made and i'm afraid you know all these areas i'm afraid that i can actually prove that this same principle applies to our experience of the nearness of God. And here it is, James 4, 8. It's the passage uh, that's uh, associated with the sermon today. Draw, in first part of the verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Well, so here's the proof. That's a straight out promise, isn't it? It's a straight out promise with one condition. Draw near to God. If you draw near to God, He will draw near to you and to me. And so, so an undeniable, as far as I can see, corollary would be that if God has not drawn near to me, it's because I have not drawn near to Him. Because if I did, He's promised that He'll draw near to us. And you know, I, 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 I take this from experience, but but I don't he, he does not meet us halfway. <laughs> he doesn't require us to come halfway. He always comes further toward us than we step toward him. But he doesn't often barge in where he's unwelcome. I mean, he does. I won't say he never does, because he does. To, to ask talk to the apostle Paul about that. <laughs> But if you take the small steps of faith and obedience that are before you, he seems to come all the way from heaven to meet you where you are. We, we, we sing sometimes, uh, just a closer walk with thee. Granite Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Well, by the by, the light of the promise of James four eight, maybe Jesus could sing the same song. Change the words a little bit. Jesus could sing the same song. Just a closer walk with thee, granted, Christian, is my plea. <laughs> Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear believer, let it be. I, I can tell myself that I want a closer communion with the Lord. I can lament that He's not closer. I think there must be something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the way I'm doing it. Or this is really more typical. There's something wrong with the promises of the Lord. It's just not happening for me. Something wrong with Him. I can tell myself I want it, but if, but it may be that my central passion in life, whatever it is, takes up all my time, all my energy, and I don't have anything left for actually pursuing or nurturing a closer relationship with the Lord. We all have it, you know. We we have things we have to do, you know. 
We've got jobs or we have school, but, you know, it could be. I want a relationship, I want a closer relationship with the Lord, but, but you know, I, I want to use my free time away from work or school or whatever it is in other, in other ways. And it takes time. Or it could be even there's that besetting sin that I like to indulge once in a while, which is not exactly uh, uh, congruent with my desire to be closer to the Lord. And it, and it goes to this, this, uh, this tragic and terrible truth that my, that my mother taught me so well, and I believe it just like I could put a chapter and verse to it, but I can't. People do what they want to do, and they do it all the time. So here, so here it is. I, we don't want the T-shirt, but sometimes it's written on the inside, not on the shirt. Uh, tragically, the best time for prayer for me comes before I wake up. Or tragically, the Bible study is being held when my favorite show is on. I've got one like that at Greenfield. I hope, I hope she wouldn't. I don't think she'd ever listen to the tape or listen to the recording, but I can't beat Big Brother. <laughs> I can't beat Big... With this one particular person, we're very friendly. She's come before, but I can't beat Big Brother on Wednesday night. Or tragically, I like my sin too much to give it up. That, that's, that's actually, that last one, it, it's what James is thinking about when he writes James 4.8. Because here's, here's the rest of the verse. Uh, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The hands, you know, outward life, the things we do. Right? That's outward. And it says, cleanse your, uh, purify your hearts. That's the inside, right? The inner life, it goes to, it goes to what, you, what you think about, the thoughts of your mind, the things you say to yourself where nobody can hear, your attitudes, your affections, what you love, what you hate. So, so we're kidding ourselves if we tell ourselves or others that we want a closer experience of the Lord, but not so much that we would actually do something different than we're doing now. Or not so much that we would stop doing something that we like doing now. Or not so much that we would actually ch seek to change our own ways of thinking and feeling and, and love different things than we love now. So that's the, you know, it's like the other side of the coin. It is true that if you're in Christ, you, have a, you will have a longing for communion with Christ that can't be satisfied fully in this life, in your prayer times, your worship times. Not fully. You're going to want more. But it's also true that wanting the feeling of close communion with Christ is not the same thing as wanting it enough to pursue it. To, to get there, because the, the, the promise of God's word is if, 
If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Uh, final, final point. Communion with Christ is fundamentally associated with the intake of God's Word and including our response uh, to what He has said. I mean, this is basic. If you've taught children in Sunday school, you've taught this. The Bible is the food that sustains relationship with God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's a food. Peter writes, like newborn babes, babies, another translation is <laughs> stuck in my mind. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. I read New American Standard there. That some translations like the English Standard Version translate that word logicon of the word as spiritual. And, but it, it just seems impossible that, Paul, that Peter is not thinking about the word that he's just talked about in the previous chapter, in the previous paragraph. He says, long at the end of 1 Peter 1, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the world, word, rather, that, that you may grow, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And, and in point of fact, as a practical matter, th there just can't be any significant growth apart from the intake of God's Word. It's the, it's the food, it's the fuel of the spiritual life. And, and just as you entertain you personally, you entertain no hope today. I hope. I think this is true of everyone. You entertain no hope of eating enough food today to get you through the rest of the week. Nobody's planning on that. Just as you do not hope to eat enough food today to sustain you through the rest of the, of the week, you... Uh, you cannot hope to get enough spiritual food today here in this place to sustain you spiritually for the rest of the week till next Sunday or the next time you come to church, whichever comes first. It's been a long time, but as I recall, newborn babies long for milk more frequently than weekly. Even more than bi-weekly. <laughs> like all the time L like newborn baby long for the pure milk of the word you know how those babies are a passy won't do now not all portions of scripture are equally edifying equally appetizing so I'm just asking you you know if you're hearing this and this really applies to you and you want to be closer to the Lord, I want you to see that you're, you're not going to get there in this life fully satisfied. I also want you to see it's not enough just to have a vague longing for something you don't have, but it's not enough to not do anything about it. And I want you to see that the Word is the starting point for it. But, uh, but please, in doing that, 
Don't get stuck in a, oh, a chapter full of begets. Who begets so-and-so and begets so-and-so and begets so-and-so, and then you read that and you say, this is not working like the pastor said. <laughs> it's all good, it's all inspired, but you may find better soul food in the New Testament. It's closer to your historical, where you are in history. It's closer to your situation in life. It's closer to the state of your own spiritual situation. So the Bible is fundamental and it's really indispensable in, in drawing close to God. But I want to say this too, and this will kind of end with this. We'll take the Lord's table together. Um, you're not finished with the word. You know, if you're, if you're really, if you want to draw, you're opening this up to draw close to God. I'm going to start here. You're not finished with that until you respond back to God. Um, and, and respond to what he has said. You, you, you read in the Bible something like, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, it's great to read that on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. It's a necessary part of your relationship with God. But you're not finished until after you read that, you say, Lord, who, who am I holding back on um, who am I holding a grudge against? Who, who's forgiven? Who's, uh, who's, who should I forgive? Like I want you to forgive me. I want, or even this, Lord, I want it. You got somebody in mind. You got a situation in mind. Maybe it's even chronic, and you. You say, Lord, I want to forgive him. I want to forgive him. And I have forgiven him. But then I need to, you know, <laughs> find the next day uh, it's grating on me again. Or I want to forgive her. I want to forgive them. Lord, help me do it from the heart. And, and Or he even respond, Lord, forgive, forgive me for every time that unforgiveness wells up within me and help me to forgive again and again and again until it's full and complete like your forgiveness of me. Or, or whatever, whatever you would say, whatever you should say back to God. It really, if you try this, I'm saying this is indispensable. This is a starting place. God has spoken to us and I don't... I don't see that there's a significant growth in being close to the Lord apart from this book. But you're not finished. When you read it, you're not finished with that drawing close to God part until you respond to what you have read. And I think that is the drawing close to God part of the intake of God's Word. You know, and it's a very important point because it's possible to read and study the Bible without drawing close to God, without that part. And you, you rob the scriptures of their purpose, or part of their purpose. You know, remember the religious leaders of Israel during the earthly life of Christ? They were Bible experts, Bible experts. But what's missing is the response. 
King Herod calls him. You remember this? King Herod calls him. Where's the Messiah to be born? They, just like that. Micah 5, 2. They knew it's by Bethlehem. But they could not be bothered to go and see, even with rumors. They, they passed the Bible pop quiz with flying colors, flunked the test of faith also spectacularly. They read the law. They're experts in the law. But they couldn't imagine that it pointed out their own sin. They just saw how it applied to everybody else. <laughs> no personal response to the things they read. So you can read, you can read and study the Bible without that. But if you want to draw close to God, that's part of it. You have to respond back. Say what you should say. Uh, be honest with it. Be honest with the Lord. And, and, and just and say something back. The Church of England has lost its way in many ways. In many ways. I read, I read last week that they were considering developing church liturgies and ceremonies to mark a person's transition from one gender to another. You imagine having, like, having something like a baptism or something, you know, have a church ceremony so that the, you know, the he is becoming a she or she's becoming a he or a z or whatever they want to do, you know. So, so they've lost their way in, in many ways. But, but there, there does exist in the, in the Church of England a form of worship that, or kind of an outline for worship that goes back to the 16th century when, when in fact, they hewed much more closely to the Word than they do now. And when the church, here it is, when the church gathered for worship, the Scripture reading would come first. They'd read the Scripture and then came the sermon, and then came the Lord's Supper. Uh, the, the word leads to the sermon, which is the sermon was the word explained, the word expounded, the word unpacked, and, and unfolded, understood. And then the sermon led into the Lord's Supper. The people would hear, you know, they'd hear the word read, then they'd come to hopefully understand it. <laughs> Right? to understand it, to have it unpacked and, and really kind of know what it says, and then the people would respond, right? Then they would respond in the Lord's Supper. That's something that, that involved, involved them. You know, the word read becomes the word understood, that becomes the word responded to. That's why I asked for this order today. Doing it different. But then we then we usually do that have to kind of to, to just kind of uh, emphasize this uh, need for response. And the word responded to isn't always the bread in the cup. I'm not saying, oh, you needed a little, you know, every time you read the Bible, you need to take a little uh, something of the bread in the cup. No. The response you make to the word isn't always the bread in the cup, but it's always as personal as the bread in the cup. You know, you're the one that takes it, right? It's always as individual as the bread in the cup. And it's always about the outside of you and the inside of you as the bread in the cup. And so that's why I ask that we, we do our service that way today. And so let today's taking of the bread in the cup 
be for you a drawing close to the Lord. Let, let it be your, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my faith grow stronger. Let it be your, yes, Lord, I am entirely dependent on Christ, his love for me, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection power for living. Let my dependence be complete beyond that. Let it be your, uh, yes, I'm yours, Lord, bought and paid for with the precious broken body and shed blood of Christ. And maybe I be yours, not just, not just at this moment, not just today, and, but tomorrow and this week and this year and for the rest of my life. So here's, here's the promise. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven and Lord Jesus Christ, let our taking of the Lord's Supper today be a drawing near for everyone. For the longtime Christian who longs to be closer still to you. For the Christian who has much to repent and who's drawing near is also a coming back. For the young Christian who's only beginning to learn what it is to walk with you. Maybe even for the one who's not yet a Christian but wants to know you. Now let the Lord's Supper be there, yes, to your offer of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. May it not be the only drawing near, an isolated, one-time drawing near to you, but one that's repeated daily and habitually and hourly even. Thank you that it is possible to have an individual and personal relationship with you, the creator of the universe, when we are so small and ins insignificant. And with you, who is holiness itself, when we are sinners, Lord, we love you because you first loved us, and we draw near to you now. And help us all draw nearer still. We pray in the love, in the loving.